Hello, I'm Emma Rice, the Artistic Director of Wise Children, and you're listening to Wise Children's Lockdown. Our Lockdown Project is about us finding ways of staying close to each other. On this show, I call up an old friend, play some records, and most importantly, get to chat and reminisce. Come and join us for Tea and Biscuits. Hello and welcome to Wise Children's Lockdown Tea and Biscuits. And today I'm talking to my dear friend, Patricia Kuliavska. Hello, Patty. Hello, Emma and Simon. It's so absolutely delightful to see you and hear you. It's really good to see you too. So the first question I have to ask is what is your virtual or real biscuit today? Well, I've got to be honest now. This is a liquid biscuit. It is a... New Zealand uh, Sauvignon Blanc because uh, the sun is out and times are desperate and I've got to be honest um, show that's me what I'm let me see it's a mighty fine large glass of delicious white wine yes it is here's to all of you oh here's to you as well I'm jealous I'm jealous um, so tell me how's your lockdown going where are you paint me a picture what's happening I am in Bristol, in St. George. Um, it's sunny. Uh, I'm with, I'm imprisoned with two other criminals, which is my partner and my four-year-old daughter, Antonia. <laughs> and, uh, you know, in a desperate moments, I'm trying to count my blessings and think like, well, uh, we, we have the luxury of isolation. We, we, we can be in our garden or we can be on our balcony. We've been lucky to finish our attic conversion just three days before the lockdown. Brilliant. The work is gone and everything. And we've got a little bit more space so Tom can work from home. I can run about in the house and the child can run amok, you know, as well. God, that was lucky because all buildings stopped, hasn't it? I know we've been terribly lucky so I am, I am counting my blessings and uh, you know we are not on the first line we are not um, doctors and terrified nurses so it's all good but bloody hell <laughs> after a month this sort of kind of mantra which I'm repeating myself in the head it's it's wearing thin now and I am slightly starting walking up the walls and, and getting crazy a bit nothing new then how are you? How are you? We're, we're good. We're lucky as well. We're in a nice place and Simon's doing loads of digital work and yeah, it's all the sun's shining, isn't it? I've been doing some nice walks, so we're good. We're good. But we're lucky, like you say. I mean, the most worrying thing is that we just, if I knew when it finishes that I could kind of prepare myself uh, mm. emotionally and intellectually and have some sort of plan in place, Oh, hello, there's my daughter coming. <gasps> Say hi to me. Hello. Hi. Hi there. <laughs> no, mommy is having a very, very interesting and important conversation now. And so you've got to go to. Uh, hold on a second, I've got to get rid of her. <laughs> <laughs> have, you, have you locked her in a cupboard? Yeah, I changed her to the radiator. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Well, listen, um, this is a chance to catch up with you, but also reminisce a little bit. So before we talk about anything else, I'm going to take you right back to 2008 and the first time we worked together. Take it away, Simon. 
Not sure how long she'll stay She is the night sweeper The tricky dance sleep where we can home dreamer She sweeps the night clean So that we may dream And she is here
was Selena the Cleaner from Knee High's production of Don John in 2008. Um, it was written by Stu Barker, composed by Stu Barker, lyrics by Carl Groves, and the singer there was Dom Lawton. Takes you back, doesn't it? Oh, how wonderful. I was, yeah, I was just right back there, dancing in a shipping container, <laughs> dancing sexy manner. Sexy manner with a hoover and some marigold gloves, I seem to remember. And yes. red knickers. Great, red knickers and some crazy platforms. Like, yeah. like very cute. Yes. And that was dominating. And that's interesting because I've been just having a virtual voice lesson with him today. Wow. We are kind of trying to uh, stay sane and do something useful with our time. And he's a magnificent singer, as we could just hear. And he's doing kind of this S-steel uh, training, how to train other people, and I am his guinea pig. Oh, fantastic. Send him my love when you speak to him next. I will. So, my memory is, so I knew you before you knew me because I saw you in Vincent Dance Theatre, a brilliant, brilliant company run by the amazing Charlotte Vincent, who I um, who I knew. And I came to see the first Vincent Dance show I saw was Punch Drunk. And you were sensational in it, absolutely sensational. And of course it hit all my buttons because I spent so much of my 20s in Poland working with Garjanica. Um, I felt like a sort of big bit of my soul was in Poland and um, the sort of spirit of the work there. And then I saw this amazing dance company that had several Polish performers, but was really looking at a, a modern aesthetic. And what I remember most was you doing a strip routine, but with, um, with an amazing, intense feeling of a woman being humiliated who didn't want to do it and it was so powerful and so brilliant and I remember the mole on your thigh <laughs> you know that um, but, you know because it was so intimate and I can remember thinking oh my god I would love to work with that woman but there's a sort of honour amongst thieves in theatre where you don't steal performers particularly when they're attached to a company so I didn't do anything about it and then you wrote to me and I couldn't believe my luck when I got a letter from you and I was like, yes. Yes, that's right. I wrote to you an email and that cost me a lot of guts because I am I am terribly, I'm pathetic with kind of self-advertising myself. And I'd rather when people come to me rather than me approaching other people. It's just um, probably out of mixture of being a terribly... Um, well, just some elements of shyness and also arrogance. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, I was absolutely delighted when you invited me to London for a little conversation and I didn't quite know what it's going to be like and I was quite nervous and I remember I was asking the office, should I just prepare some material or bring my violin or some sweaty pants to some dance or something and they just said like no just come down for a coffee and just chat and so we did and uh that seemed to be enough to kind of give me a job which i still can't believe that's true i had seen you perform yes you did so it wasn't sort of crazy i'd seen you perform and seen how sort of spectacular you were so all you need to work out is whether you're gonna get on with somebody yeah i suppose so and, and we then- still get with each other after all these years. I know, all these all these years. Um, but wasn't there also an amazing thing once when I was walking across Charing Cross Bridge and you were walking towards me with Janusz? Do you remember yes, that? We right. met in the middle of London and it was like a magical happening. 
It was just that before was, we started working together. Yeah, that was the sign from some sort of gods of theatre which were hanging over the tunnels <laughs> and they were saying, like, you, you should work together. <laughs> and we had a go. And oh, we did. Oh, fantastic. Don John. I know. What? Oh, that was. I loved that show. And it was really, um, we, we took the the story of Don Giovanni and, and the structure of the opera and reclaimed it and made it English. And Zelina, who's the sort of the servant girl, the sexy servant girl, we, we made her Polish and you and thought about all the, all the Polish workers that were coming and doing all the cleaning for us, making our lives better at that time. And it was such an amazing, I feel it was ahead of its time, that show. I'd love to do it again. That's I would love to do it again. I would, but the cast was so massive. It was an army of us on the stage. I know. Uh, not to mention that the shipping containers, <laughs> full size, full weight. We would have to just perform it on some sort of almighty stage. Uh, and I don't know. And then I was just thinking like, oh, hold on a second. All the theatres are closed for unfeasible future. And uh, God knows if we're going to have a stage and what the stage will look like in the future. I know. I'm trying to be positive, but we might have to rethink how we present things to people, don't you think? There's no um, way that we can come out of this the same. No way. No. But and I think after a month of being in this uh, lockdown here, yeah, and actually that was slowly coming to into my life, the whole coronavirus thing because I was supposed to go to Hong Kong with Bristol Old Vic production Cyrano in February and that was cancelled and there was no news about coronavirus in England then and I was so upset in a selfish manner like oh how dare they take it away my little joyful trip to Hong Kong to some wonderful arts festival thinking that this is just surreal and it is unreal and now we have it here and it, it couldn't be more real really so challenging isn't it and it's challenging for those of us that have devoted our lives to a world that's all about intimate contact and i keep thinking i can imagine a world where you can socially distance an audience but i cannot imagine a world where you socially distance your actors and if you think about don john and the intimacy we were working with the extraordinary intimacy and that's the, that's the thing that breaks my heart. I think, well, I don't want to make work that isn't that brave and truthful and expressed and trusting. Um, but that's that's what scares me most. Yes, and sensual. I don't think I've yes. snogged so much like in that show. <laughs> <laughs> the great joy of mine. <laughs> snogged for England and Poland at the same time. Let's yeah. have a record. Tell us what your first um, music choice is and why. Oh, um, the first song I've chosen, it's uh, Sound and Colour of Alabama Shakes. And um, I remember for the first time I, I've heard that song just after my daughter was born, so just over four years ago. And I was listening to it over and over again uh, when the world then was so kind of vivid and so emotional and so new and so unexpected. And that song was so beautiful, there was crying with joy. and. Uh, being raw at the same time and uh, when I was thinking of the songs, we, what, sh what what sort of songs should, should I choose today, what, what sort of key they should be, should it, should it be something uplifting or, or uh, but you know me, I'm quite an emotional person and so I just went with my 
usual gut instinct, which is like, oh, go for the raw and visceral and kind of, <laughs> which might actually not sound like that for other people, but uh, just listen to the lyrics. It's, uh, she sings, a new world hangs outside the window, beautiful and strange. Try to keep yourself awake. This life ain't like it was. I won't touch a human being. I want to touch. I want to go back to sleep. Ain't life just awful strange? choice really fitting as well i know isn't it just glorious fantastic tune oh the power behind the microphone (laughs) so i'm going to take us forward to wild bride so wild bride was a show i made with nehi and i'd already made it there's some history to this which is i had made a show called the handless maiden in budapest hungary many many years ago um, for my friend Ava Magia and I mean I don't know because I don't speak Hungarian and I came home but I think it was pretty much a disaster in Hungary but I thought there was something in this story that I wanted to revisit so um, we revisited it and you were a big part of why I did that because I knew I needed really physical um, storytellers three amazing women so I already had Ava um, and then I met you and I thought I've got I've got two of the three women I need. And then I auditioned and found Audrey Brisson. So I had these amazing international women with fantastic physical and musical skills. Um, And we reinvented it completely. Carl Gross wrote the text, um, Stu Barker the music. And it was uh, so close to my heart, the the show, so 
um, rooted in the earth, rooted in pain, rooted in truth, and yet in that magical landscape that I love of the folktale. Um, and I want you to talk about it in a minute, but the, my favourite memory of you is because all three of the actors were playing the same character. So the young girl, the the, the woman in the middle of her life and then the, the more mature woman. And Audrey was playing the young girl and she did this big song to hand over to you. And every night you'd say, now the story begins. <laughs> I know how awful. Oh, I, I mean, that obviously is a joke. I, I love to kind of play the um, uh, ironic, uh, cynical and, and terrible. And probably this is really true because she's absolutely amazing. And if I really thought that, I would have never said that. But I would love, love to tease her. I love to tease her because she was younger and she was thinking that there might be uh, a hint of truth in it. And obviously there wasn't. We were absolutely three equal, fantastic so different that you would have to try really hard to find three more different people, more different looking, uh, sounding, moving women than we were. So it's a kudos to you, uh, you know, with your amazing skills to kind of cast people in strange key you only have in your mind and no one can quite understand that, but it kind of works. Um, that's, that's what, that is actually what made me fall in love with them. Um, Nihai, the first show I've seen directed by you that was Tristan and Isolde and I watched it in Leeds uh, Yorkshire Playhouse and I've seen such a wonderful motley crew <laughs> and I thought like there's one person having in common with, with the other one, everyone looks totally different, everyone's got a totally different dynamic yet the mixture is absolutely magnetic and, and bonkers and um, uh, toxic in the most beautiful way and I thought like well they're all crazy and weird and maybe there's a place for me but anyway I'm, di I'm digressing from, from the wild well I'm digressing yes. as well because I remember when Nehi first went to West Yorkshire Playhouse long before I met you with a show called The Wooden Frock and they said they said to us can we get your headshots so that we know who you are we have every company's headshots and we didn't none of us had any so we got I don't know who it was our stage manager took a picture of us all and we did our own headshots but nobody <laughs> we looked like care in the community. It was just unbelievable. Like you say, this group of misfits. I wish I had a picture of it now because it was the most unglamorous set of people. But it worked, didn't it? We were a strange collection of um, outsiders that find each other and then make lifelong connections. So too right you're one of us. I am going to throw you back now to The Wild Bride. Um, this is that moment I just talked about. So you're going to hear Audrey Brisson singing. And when you hear the violin, it's you playing the violin. And oh my God, we're going to talk about that in a minute. Went down to the crossroads, soulful of war. Went down to the crossroads, demons in tow.
My Skype just froze for a second just when I was picking on my violin. How terrible. <laughs> that was like a slap in the face. <laughs> oh, that was amazing. That sums you up. I mean, you play, used to play that with such ferocity. You could see the, the hairs coming off your bow. And your, and then the next thing that happened is that we took the violin off you and we bound your hands up because your hands had been chopped off. And it's like the music stopped. It was so powerful. Amazing. Talk to me about playing the violin. Oh God, where do I start? Uh, uh, I start. I start with my childhood. Like that. That's what it was. My father is a musician, and he had loads of instruments in his instruments in his house. And I just took an interest in violin at some point. And they were far too big, so that they kind of looked like a kind of small cello in my arms. And then my dad said like, well, would you like to try a smaller violin? So he brought a really tiny, tiny ones, which were so hideous. They were producing such a terrible sound that I don't know how I actually maintained interest in it because, you know, those small instruments, they are really unforgiving and it takes quite a long time before you can actually produce a sound which is something better than just strangling the cat. Uh, but anyway, so I've started when I was probably around seven years and I went to the music school and then I went through all the all the education, including uh, Academy of Music. So I've spent a lot of time practicing and feeling like I am imperfect and I can always make things better. And, and it was rigorous. Um, it taught me patience. Uh, but it also taught me that I don't want to be on my own anymore. I want to be with other people. I don't want to practice. I've done my time. I've done my time on my own in my room. Now I just want to play with other people and be a part of a group and some bigger dynamic. 
Well, it's a it's a win for us. And I mean, I, I've surrounded myself by actor musicians all my life. And with no disrespect, you people play very nicely and very well. And as we all know, it, you, you can make amazing sounds with all sorts of different abilities. But I have never worked with anybody as musically virtuosic as you and and the room stands still when you play the violin because you can hear the the classical training and the years of hard work and your perfectionism and I I know because my sister trained to be a musician I know the hours that you must have put in I mean it's it's phenomenal when we see you performing and then you do that it's amazing well thank you don't embarrass me here no it is, do you know what it is um it's um See, it, it took me quite a long time to allow myself to play in an ugly way, like you know, the end of the solo on Wild uh, on Wild Bride. Uh, it, it's 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 screechy and ugly, and that was not the quality of the sound which was encouraged in any of the schools. And I remember when I, and that was kind of quite a, of the downfall in this artistic schools I've been in. The, the, I feel like I've I've um, I've wasted so many years of trying to be really perfect rather than being encouraged by other people just to let go. And you know, violin is such a versatile instrument, and you can make all sorts of sounds of it. And the ugliness of it is mm. just thick. And I cherish now the fact that I'm not scared of of, of you know just making terrible sounds out of it because it's you know devilish. Oh, well, you never make a terrible sound, but you know what I say, there is no beauty in perfection. You want to feel the humanity come through, and my God, it does. What's your next record choice and why? My next record choice is um, Asaf Avidan, a wonderful, wonderful artist from Israel. He doesn't call himself an Israeli artist, he just says that he was born in Israel, but that's politics. And uh, the song is called Different Pulses. And yet again, this is the song which, uh, it never fails when I put it on my CD player, I immediately burst into tears because it is so, again, raw and uh, and honest. And uh, the vocals are just amazing. And, uh, and the honesty, which is brutal, just comes straight to my heart. My life is like a wound. I scratch so I can bleed. Um, I write so I can feed and death grows like a tree that's planted in my heart. Its roots are at my feet. I walk so I won't rest. My life is like a wound. I scratch so I can bleed. But could you take my word?
stunning. Oh, isn't it just glorious? Just goosebumps all over. And what I was just saying, like that, this is the sort of a disco party for me. I listen to <laughs> this sort of music and dance with joy and with tears, crying and, and being joyful at the same time. The, um, the groove in it reminds me of the Portishead groove machine gun that we had in um, Wild Bride. What? Right. Which was the a real childbirth, relentless scene when you were just going up and down with big metal claws on your hands. And you oh, yeah. curse me, didn't you? Absolutely. Needless to say, that Portishead is one of my favorite, favorite bands in the whole entire world, and I was absolutely delighted that you've chosen <laughs> it into the show because that was unusual and unexpected piece of music in a show with Americana and folk and a lot of dry leaves on the stage. Mm-hmm. So having something, you know, uh, electronic, it was absolutely no one would know that would come. And that was a brave choice. I loved it. Thank you. Thank I wanted you. it to be like war coming in. So I wanted it to really jar. Anyway, I'm going to go move on to 946. Um, only to say that you played Madame Bounin in our lovely production of 946 but you were pregnant at the time and I feel I look back on it and I feel that that was really special that you were carrying Tony through that process what was that like? I remember when I touched my body my my belly a couple of times on the stage you were saying don't touch your belly no one should know that you are pregnant (laughs) (laughs) I was probably rooting for something uh uh, were sentimental and you quite rightly were trying to stop it because I thought like wow this will be really strong knowing that this woman is on the war and she's pregnant and she has just love, lost her, um, her love and uh, that would be super melodramatic wouldn't it I, I, I don't think I feel very proud of myself at the moment I think in my defense I think I was worried that it wasn't a story we were going to tell so I it, that yes. if we if we drew attention to it we didn't have the scene that talked about your your baby <laughs> <laughs> and this one would be then three hours long and no one wants that <laughs> Madame Bourine is pregnant she lost her husband dear oh but that that was very special I mean that it's um all the shows are special for me but that it's full of, full of joy and strange surprises. Do you remember when once I came to the rehearsals with two totally different shoes on my feet? Yeah, you had a pregnancy brain, didn't you? Oh, <laughs> and I was, and I remember that I was trying to absolutely conceal it, and uh, I was in denial. <laughs> and uh, you know, I was coming to all these rehearsals, and then sometimes just sitting down, thinking, "Oh God, oh God what is happening? Really, what's going on there?" And um, it was a definitely kind of pregnancy brain. Um, it was also a strange show because I am a Polish woman playing a French teacher in an English spoken play. So that's quite a head fuck for a pregnant woman anyway. <laughs> <laughs> you, were, you were representing the whole of Europe for us. Yes, I was we all just... decided to leave. You just decided to give it all in one go. Yes, yes, you know, I was just waving the flag for everybody there. (laughs) (laughs) Past, present and future. Oh, I'd forgotten the odd shoes. We laughed until we cried when we saw your odd shoes. (laughs) Yeah. But as the woman that told you to not not draw attention to it, I do feel um, 
sentimental and proud that you worked through that pregnancy. And of course, now you're a, a working mum in the performance arts. What is that like? Well, there's no secrets. And um, there, it's ongoing. Um, I don't want to say it's a struggle, but um, it, the life is full of compromises. And uh, deciding to have a child, obviously I knew it. And uh, being a uh, being 40-year-old woman, it was a conscious choice to have a child. And uh, I felt like I slept with uh, suitcases around the world for quite a while. And I was on the verge of the possibly falling out of love with the touring system and repetition. I find it quite tricky. I think somewhere around show number 50 or 60, I, I, I got itchy feet. And, and I get them slightly desperate and uh, and I try to renew everything in my head and that frustrates possibly the director. <laughs> He's like, don't change, don't go weird. Don't, <laughs> don't the show is good as it works. And, um, and uh, trying to be consistent yet truthful. But anyway, after show 50, I would feel like, oh, oh God, it, it is tricky. So I thought like, well, okay, I'm gonna have a child and I will try to see what, how it's going to shake my world. And I was absolutely lucky to have a good pregnancy and to be able to work until I was seven months pregnant on the stage with the Nihai show Dead Dog in a Suitcase with a really heavy set and I was climbing on the sladders and I felt like an absolutely, uh, like a, like a, like a primarial, no, primarial, what's the word? Um, primal, primal, um, Goddess, you know, <laughs> not, 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 I don't want to sound too kind of romantic about it, but it gave me some sort of strength and like, oh my God, I'm here on the stage, fat. And I am uh, <laughs> maybe giving some hope to some performers who are watching me and thinking, well, you can't combine those two things. And, uh, and then I felt like, well, I'm just going to continue while she is born. And then two months after she's born, I'm back on the stage. And then when I was supposed to join you in the Globe with 946, and I said yes to it, because I was absolutely positive that's going to happen. And then when she was born, after a month or two, uh, it became apparent that none of us is ready uh, to go back on the stage. So there are all the surprises around the corner, which you, can, you just can't plan, really. So, but anyway, I'm not a person who usually plans like five years ahead. Uh, and But that particular thing taught me like, you really can't plan. You just take a year ahead. And take a year at one go. You can't just think, you can't just predict how things will go. I know. But the, the other side of that, strangely, I, I'd almost forgotten that that happened because the other side of it is when you know somebody and trust somebody and know that you're going to be working with them for a lifetime I thought I don't know whether Patty will be able to come back so soon but in the end you think well it's okay the part's hers as long as she wants it and if she can't we'll manage that and it doesn't matter you know so you you won't feel that because you're I know what it's like when you're a performer you you're so loyal and um fierce but of course you couldn't come back that quick is what I think well some people may be could it's so personal yeah. it is personal and uh i just stop myself uh from from kind of like putting my own judgment on other people because i've learned that it's just one case cannot be compared to another um 
it's such a complex issues uh, and and you know I'm one of those performers who who when I'm on the stage I want to do the show at like million percent and then when I get bored of it I feel guilty that I get bored of it and then I try to refresh it, and then it's an ongoing uh, work of maintenance like maintenance um, in your head really because I'm quite um, uh, I think quite hardy you know I, I don't like injure myself too much so I can kind of keep going, but it's a str- it's a struggle. It's a in struggle, the- and I, th- I think being a mum is another thing that you do with great truth and integrity. So you've got another plate that you're spinning, as well as the way that you perform, which, as you say, is a million percent. And what you've just described, which is a whole other program, is literally the craft of the theatre performer, which is it's one job to make the show, but it's another job to keep it fresh for over a hundred shows and that that the emotional toll of that is something I'm fascinated in and and what you said earlier is true which is I'm very happy for shows to grow and change but what happens is performers go weird and that's when I always say not weird please don't go weird you come back you leave it for two weeks and everybody's doing really strange stuff and you have to say come on tell the story come back um I'm going to move on to the last show that we made together, Wise Children. And you made this as a mum, came to my new company and played Lady Atalanta. And I very much hope we're going to make it again. And this is a little memory from our beloved Wise Children. And again, you'll hear Patrizia on the violin. Fly to the East, sung by the Wise Children Company. Emma, do you remember when the first time we saw the animation and we played the music and we sang it all together and we were all in tears? And what a special moment that was during the rehearsals in um, Old Vic in London. I remember it so, so strongly and so vividly. Oh, that was too. Magic. It was a magic show. Magic. Um, and the coming together of so many threads of all our lives. That's what it felt like to me, is it was really complicated. It was a middle-aged show, you know, it was, wasn't a simple folk story. It was a big, messy family drama that said, life is messy, but there's still hope at the end of it. Absolutely. Well, that was the first show for Wise Children, wasn't it? That was yeah. the first 
that was the beginning of the new journey for you. I know. For some of us, on all. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, listen, thank you very much for having tea and biscuits with me. Um, and before we play out, can I just say thank you for being the most amazing um, person, artist, musician, actor, dancer, and that I value you so highly with your blistering honesty your intensity and your virtuosic performance and personality you're quite astonishing and i can't wait for a lifetime of making work with you right she's got her hands over her face i've embarrassed you but if you can't say it now when can you say it that's my question Oh, Emma, I'm, you know, all right. I'm just going to go and have a little cry in the corner. <laughs> Thank you ever so much. I feel very privileged and um, very humble. Well, but let's hope, uh, let's hope we can have some fun and frolics out there. Oh, quite soon. please, please. But in the meantime, I can, I can hear Tony getting crosser and crosser outside. So we're going to play out on a piece that you've written yourself, which is a lullaby. Do you want to tell us about it? That's um, that's something I wrote around eight years ago when I had lots of times on my hand. I was a single girl and I didn't have a child and I've just moved to Bristol and I and I could just smell uh, um, good good things coming my way around the corner and I wrote this lullaby as a little gift to my godchild actually. Um, uh, I haven't listened to it for a very, very long time, but it's quite soothing. It's quite empty. It's uh, it's the other kind. It's, sometimes when I listen to the music, I, I I choose something which completely resonates with the the, the the state I'm in, and sometimes I go to the totally opposite, and I need emptiness and quiet. And maybe in this time where we are at now, we need something soothing. And it's in Polish, so if people don't understand what uh, what I say, I might just quickly say, um, the sun, tired of its heat, rests. The sky slowly darkens. Silver stars are falling on the earth. Feathery sleepiness overwhelms me and you. Silver stars are raining down on the earth. Oh, 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 oh,
So that was Patrizia on violin and singing and Ian Ross on bass and Benji Bauer on piano. Thank you, Patty. If you have a memory or connection you'd like to share on Tea and Biscuits, leave us a message on our phone line 0117 318 3846. That's 0117 318 3846. Keep checking our social media for details of our next show. Tea and Biscuits is part of Wise Children's Lockdown. Thanks for hanging out with us. Bye. <laughs>